Welcome back to Inside of Julius's Mind. Uh, this episode, I'm doing a deep dive on The Watchmen, uh, as produced by HBO. Uh, giving a quick breakdown of basically what The Watchmen is about. The Watchmen is a a graphic novel, uh, a comic book series, uh, where it's a direct reflection of real life. But if you added superheroes to it, um, the first Watchmen, the comic book graphic novel series, takes place in 1985. Well, it's a little bit earlier than 1985, but it ends in 1985, where superheroes um, are a mainstay, um, where they're just like anything else, right? So, in the graphic novel, um, the main players are the comedian Silver Spectre, Doctor Manhattan, uh, Owlman, uh, and Rorschach, uh, and Ozymandias. Okay, uh, I'm gonna skip parts of the 1985 story to kind of bring you up to speed in terms of what happened. Uh, so humanity is on the brink of annihilation, nuclear warfare. Um, and Ozymandias sees fit to make the world come together by creating a trans-dimensional threat, killing like 3.5 million people in New York City. Um, and that's where the story picks up in 2019. Um, so, welcome back to Inside of Julius's Mind. We are going to do a deep dive today. So, uh, I guess let's get to it. So we pick up in Tulsa, Oklahoma. The year is 2019. This is the first episode. Um, and people that are history or know history understand uh, the importance of Tulsa, Oklahoma. Uh, and the terroristic attack on Black Wall Street. Um, so that's how the story opens. Uh, and we follow this little boy 
uh, as his family is trying to exit the city as it's being attacked. Um, bombs dropped, Molotov cocktails, shootings, all of that happening right before his kid's eyes. And this kid has a baby, a baby girl. Um, and they're trying to get out of the city safely. So as they get out of the city, the opening credits open. Um, now, since 1985, in the Watchmen universe, there has been the same president. Um, uh, I think his name is Robert Richmond. Uh, for you who don't know who I'm talking about, he was the uh, director on the... Uh, the Captain America, uh, the Winter Soldier, he's that guy. So he's been the president since 1985 and racial relations in terms of like reparations and things of that nature have come to pass. Um, but in Tulsa, there's an underlying hint of racism. Uh, for example, the police officers in Tulsa, they wear masks uh, because of an event called the White Night. What happened on this night uh, was police officers in Tulsa were attacked uh, by what they call the 7th Calvary. Now, the 7th Calvary is no other than the Ku Klux Klan. Uh, a racist group of angry whites uh, who don't like how America has been going. And a lot of officers died. Um, and this is where we pick up on our main protagonist, uh, Angela Abar. Uh, Angela was born in Vietnam. Now, in the Watchmen universe... Vietnam is one of the states of America because in the Vietnam War, Dr. Manhattan, who was basically like God, um, went to Vietnam. And because he was so powerful, the Viet Cong basically just submitted right then and there. So Angela Abar... Um, was in her family. Her, her dad was a military official there, um, a military police officer there. And she lived her entire life in that, um, in Vietnam. Now, transitioning back to Tulsa, uh, we're picking up on Angela and her husband, Kyle, and their three kids. Um, the three kids are adopted because Angela's partner was killed during the white night. So, Angela's husband, Kyle, and Angela, they raise the kids like their own. Angela <clears throat> and the chief were very close. 
um, so close to the fact that where they would come over for dinner and exchange pleasantries and things like that because the chief had also gone through the white night so it brought everybody closer now as the show is getting started there's a murder that happens to one of the police officers now the white cavalry is said <clears throat> to be um kind of shut down or the 7th Cavalry, not the White Cavalry. The 7th Cavalry is said to have been shut down for a couple of years. I think it's almost six or seven years since the White Knight. This is 2019. Um, and a fellow police officer is murdered. So the first few episodes, they're trying to figure out why was he murdered, right? Um, well, not why he, why he was murdered. He was murdered because he's a black police officer. Um they're trying to figure out where the Seven Calvary is. Now, as they're going through this back and forth with the Seven Calvary, like a cat and mouse type game, uh, we get towards the end of the first episode. And in the, the end of the first episode, uh, Judd Crawford, who is Angela's chief, is murdered. Or, lack for a better word, he's hanged or lynched um, and that's where the story cuts to black and we go to the second episode now in the second episode we are going through the aftermath of Judge Crawford being murdered uh, or hung or lynched uh, Judge Crawford is a white officer if you haven't seen it I definitely recommend you going back and watching this uh, this was on HBO uh, but I definitely recommend you watch it so he was murdered, and they're trying to figure out who did it. Now, Angela, being the police officer that she is, um, she she knows that he did just hang himself, right? It's impossible. But what she does see is tire marks. Not big car tires, but a wheelchair. So that leads her to thinking, who in a wheelchair could have done this, right? Who could have done this? Now, her alter ego, because police officers in Tulsa hide their, uh, their identity. Um, her alter ego is Sister Knight. It's like a black nun dressed up. And her civilian personality is a baker. But her bakery has never opened up until this particular day where this older man, this older gentleman, comes to her bakery and basically says, um, I'm the one that hung up your police captain. Now, anybody in their right mind would know Right? How does a man in a wheelchair hang a younger, better kept police captain? And this starts the cat and mouse game behind um, 
Angela and William. The guys in the wheelchair's name is William. Angela doesn't believe him, so she kind of shrugs him off. Um, and they go from there. Now, while all this is happening, the government has created a task force to stop mass vigilantes. All right. Now, the leader of the task force is the former Silver Spectre. Uh, her name is Janie. Um, she's also the ex-girlfriend of Dr. Manhattan. Now, it's not Janie. Sorry, I misspoke. It's Sally. <laughs> Sorry. Now, she's the ex-girlfriend of Dr. Manhattan. And when everything happened and the government switched away from mass vigilantes, most of them were arrested. Um, some of them disappeared or died or what have you. But she had to go work for the FBI to tailor this situation in terms of making sure that the mass vigilantes don't get out of hold. Uh, don't get overwhelmed and don't get uh, out of their their league, for lack of a better word. Um, so she goes around America and stops mass vigilantes by creating fake scenarios, like fake uh, bank robberies, fake um, hostage situations to where she knows that these mass vigilantes are going to show up and she catches them and they go to jail or what have you. Now, once this police officer is murdered, the police captain, Judd Crawford, um, she is sent to Tulsa by a senator. Uh, now, the senator... His dad hated the Watchmen. Uh, Senator Keene, Jokey. Now he's Jokey Jr. Um, he's a senator in Oklahoma, and he wants to know what's going on, right? Um, He's played beautifully by, um, God, what's this guy's name? James Walk. That's his name. Uh, and like most politicians, he's nefarious. Uh, you don't really see everything that he's up to until a little bit later on in the story. But he comes and gets Sally and tells her, hey, that I need your help because of what's happening in Tulsa, Oklahoma with our police chief getting murdered, so on and so forth. So she goes. Um, now, Sally, like I said before, was in a very deep relationship with Dr. Manhattan, who was basically God. Um, they broke up because it's hard for a person with omnipotence to be tied down by just one person when they don't even experience time the same way. 
So a brief explanation of how Dr. Manhattan sees time is linear, but his place in it never changes. Uh, What I mean by that is that he experiences everything in his life at the same time. From birth to death, he experiences it all at the same time. Now, what that means is that he's never really present unless he is actually present, like he's telling you that he's there. So that's why the rift grew uh, between him and uh, Sally. So they broke up, and this happened back in 1985. Uh, But I wanted to paint that picture for you so you understand later on where we're going with this entire story. I want you guys to understand exactly how everything is working. Now, the biggest reoccurring theme in this story is how the past directly affects the present and how it can affect the future and how trauma is held and passed down from one generation to the next. So, we pick back up with um, William and Angela. And now, William is taking these pills. Now, his pills is to kind of help him remember stuff because he's getting older. He's almost 103 years old now. Um, But it helps him remember certain things. Now, while they're talking, a super genius by the name of Lady True is building something in Tulsa. She's called she calls it the Millennial Clock, but no one actually knows what it does. Uh, she's the richest person on the planet, and she's so rich is that she bought Ozymandias' company. Uh, Ozymandias at the time was known as the world's smartest man. Uh, he came from a rich family. His parents died. And he sold off all the riches. Uh, Because it was his belief that he didn't earn that. That that was his parents. So in order to to show his worth. He built his own company back up. uh, And became a billionaire. Uh, Also by being a cape crusader or superhero. Uh, Now in 2015. Lady True buys his company. Because he hasn't been seen. Since 2013-2014. Now he lives in Antarctica. But that's neither here or there. So he hasn't been seen since 2013-2014. And Lady True buys his company. Uh, So they own all the things that he owned. And it's Lady True and her daughter Beyond. They're doing everything in Tulsa. Now, what we see is that Lady True uh, made her money off of cloning and um, fertilization clinics for people who can't have kids. Um, There was something that crashed in a farmer's uh, crop 
and Lady True offered them college paid for and a baby with both of their DNA. <laughs> Basically the perfect mix of them for their land and uh, whatever land, whatever landed in that crop. So for people that have been struggling to have a kid, you can understand why this would be so important. So of course they say yes. They give over the 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 land, the deed. She also gives them money to make sure that the baby will never want for anything, college will be paid for, so on and so forth. So we speed up. Now we go back to Angela and William, and Angela is, um, William tells Angela that he's her grandfather. And of course, she doesn't believe him, because for somebody that was born in Vietnam, dad never talked about his family. Why would this man come around now? Right? Why would you believe it? I don't. I wouldn't believe it personally. Um, so he basically leaves. You know, after telling her that he killed Judd Crawford, um, he basically leaves her um, on that cliff, a cliffhanger. Right. So as we were going through the story the funeral for Joe Crawford comes up and Seven Calvary attacks the funeral. And um, a bomb goes off and Senator Joe Keen Jr. is almost assassinated. But we later come to find out that that was a rule. Um, Lady True and William have a partnership. So Angela leaves with William to take him down to the police station to book him because he did confess to murdering Judd Crawford. But as as she's taking him away, um, he's picked up by like a grab machine that you see well at the teddy bears a grab machine to come and pick her pick him up and take him away also taking away Angela's family vehicle so while all of that is happening Angela has to work with Sally the former civil specter former girlfriend of uh, Dr. Manhattan now, it is widely believed that Dr. Manhattan has been on Mars since the events of 1985, where 3.5 million people died in New York City uh, at the ends of this transdimensional threat. Now, this transdimensional threat, if I didn't say it in the intro, was a big-ass squid. Crazy. So, Angela has been working with Sally and uh, this kind of like this... 
I don't like you type thing uh, going back and forth with them. Uh, I don't like you, but nobody really understands who are. But we later come to find out why it will happen. So Angela being a police officer, knowing information about the death of Judd Crawford, but not knowing who she can trust. Um, she trusts her fellow police officer, Looking Glass. Uh, he's a interrogator. But unbeknownst to Angela, he's already been compromised by Sally. His desk has been bugged. So Sally knows uh, that and if Angela says anything, it's going to be to this person. So Angela comes and talks to Looking Glass and she tells him, I know who killed Judge Crawford, but I'm not 100% sure I want to say anything just yet. Because Angela doing her own research on Judge Crawford finds out that he had a clan's role in his closet. So, and it's a fairly old one. It's like on a a mannequin. So, like somebody older than Judge Crawford, uh, Judge Crawford had the the clan robe. But it shows why would you keep that? It also shows that Judge Crawford was and is Seven Calvary. which William had also told her, and that's why he killed him, because he was 7th Calvary. Now, the pills is are left to Angela. William doesn't take the pills with him. Um, so Angela's at her desk, and once Sally hears that, Angela knows who killed Judd Crawford, but is protecting him. She's put under arrest, but she knows that the only evidence that they have are the pills. So trying to, to protect her story, she takes all of the pills. Now the pills, uh, are called nostalgia. Now, what nostalgia does is it's a a memory pill. Now, the creator of the pill was Lady True. And what she does um it's like a revolutionary, uh, all-natural, personally customized medication for people suffering from anxiety, dementia, or psychic uh, trauma. Now, nostalgia turns your memories of choice into an easily digestible tablet uh, that will allow you to experience those memories in the most lucid way possible. So it's almost like you're back in that, in that time. Okay, now, nostalgia is a customized psychoactive compound composed of synthetic mononic materials replicated from the patient's brain in an all-natural 
Cordial steroids drawn from the patient or properly matched blood relative. Now, you can't take anybody else's nostalgia. The nostalgia is made for one person and one person alone. The reason why is because the memories are so, so real is that you begin to lose yourself. Right? It's also why they became illegal because they became an abuse. People were abusing it. Um, so, Angela takes all the pills and she starts to remember a life. And that's where we pick up on this little boy with this baby running away from Tulsa. Now, if you've been listening, you understand who this little boy and this baby is. Now, we fast forward in this little boy's life, and he's become a police officer. Now, understanding the time, it was during the age of Jim Crow. So, as he's getting pinned to become a police officer, the police officers, the white police officer pinned the white police officers, and then as a black police officer, you're pinned by a black police officer. And the black police officer whispers into William's ear, beware of Cyclops. So as somebody that got into policing to do the right thing, it's like a red flag for William. What does that mean? What is Cyclops? Now, William had a very interesting life. Um, so interesting, in fact, that there was a situation when he was on his beat. Uh, and on his beat, you know, his patrol, there was a white man who calls the scene and through a Molotov cocktail through a Jewish establishment. He arrested him, took him down to the police office, uh, the police station. He booked him. The white police officers are there at the time. Say, hey, don't worry about it. We got everything else. Blah, 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 blah. Within the next day, he was released and back on the streets. Now, that caught William's attention because if I'm doing all this work to put people away, does it really matter? Is this really the way I get justice? So we, we, we trek back into the real world, not into the nostalgia world where Angela's now living because she took all those pills. We're going back to the real, the real world now. Now, in the real world, there is a a series of stories. And in these stories, they're talking about the Cape Crusaders of the past. Uh, and this one in particular, his name is Hooded Justice. Um, 
Now, Hooded Justice was one of the very first superheroes to come onto the scene. Um, and Kate Crusaders or Vigilantes or whatever you want to call them. So with him being one of the first, there was a... Um, a mysteriousness about him, right? Now, the mysteriousness about Hooded Justice is that he had a hood with a noose around his neck. And everyone considered him to be white because what other, you know, whatever person would think he was black. So, um, they're going down his life. Hooded Justice is like a show. Uh, but it's rumored that Hooded Justice and another K Crusader had a gay relationship um, with uh, Captain Metropolis. What's his name? Yeah, with Captain Metropolis. Uh, another Cape Crusader who was a rich, a wealthy man who decided that this is what he wanted to do in his spare time. He wanted to fight crime. Now, we go back to Angela on her nostalgia trip. We come to find out that William pissed with how police officers are handling certain situations. Um... Uh, decides that he wants to be more than just a police officer. So one night he's walking home after just seeing that this guy that he booked for burning down this Jewish restaurant is walking free. He is seeing a mugging happen. And in this mugging, you know, it was a some white individuals uh, attempting to rape this younger woman. Um, But he knew him being a black male. He couldn't just run over there and fight these two. Right? So what he did was he took a pillow sheet or something like a pillow sheet and he used it as a mask and he went over there and beginning to try to defend this woman. Now, as he's doing this, the guys get the upper hand on him. And they tie a noose around his neck. And they drag him away to be hanged from a tree. Uh, the tree them, they leave him because they assume he's going to die. They leave him uh, and he's able to get down from the tree uh, but right then and there was when Hooded Justice was born. So we do another flashback to when he was a kid Um, And we find out that the little baby that he was holding, the baby girl, has now become his wife. Um, And his wife is trying to take care of him. 
clean him up, take the blood off his eyes. Um, you know, he's beaten, his face is swollen, um, all of that. So as she's trying to get him back, he, he figures that this is what he wants to do. This is why he wants to change lives. This is how he's going to make his impact on the world. Now, Angela is all experiencing all of this herself, but this she's, she's coming now to believe that this is what her life has always been. That's one of the deadly side effects of nostalgia. Now, while she's in her nostalgia world having this trip, in the real world, her husband, Kyle, the family, her organs are starting to fail. Um, she's been in a coma because of the nostalgia. Um, Sally, Detective Sally, is trying to get her to get her stomach pumped so we can get her out of this and we can find out what she knows about everything with Judd Crawford. We go back into the trip with nostalgia. Captain Metropolis has now found out who William is. She found it, he found out who um, Hooded Justice is. So with him finding out who Hooded Justice is, he wants to know if Hooded Justice could be persuaded to join his cause because he was creating a team. Uh, the first iteration of the Watchmen. Um, so the interactions between Catherine Metropolis and William Hooded Justice um, were gay in nature. Um, like they were, I don't know, I guess filling each other out in terms of if they both understood each other, I guess would be the word. Um, so as he's, you know, fighting more crime, Hooded Justice wants to do more in the minority parts of the city. But Captain Metropolis doesn't want to because he says and he feels as that those problems will take care of themselves. Right? Because black people handle their own problems. Uh, now, his biggest problem, William, was that he wanted to find out who Cyclops was. And how they could be stopped. Now, he gets a little closer after the, doing some detective work, and he finds out that Cyclops and Seven Calvary are one and the same thing. And he wants to know how they can stop him. But what he finds out is that they have a plan to take over a movie theater. And using hypnotherapy in all of the black movie theaters around the city to get them to kill each other. 
So the hypnotherapy works and there is a um, a riot in a movie theater where countless black people die. But William wants to know where these machines are being made. So after, you know, on his B kind of figuring out what's going on, he's still a police officer now. He hasn't quit doing that. Uh, but as he's going on, he finds out that this machine is being made in the grocery store of the guy who burnt down the Jewish grocery store. Crazy. He breaks in. He kills and incapacitates everybody in the back. But there's only one way out now. He has to go through the grocery store to get out. And all while this is happening, he has the machine on his shoulder. So he's running out. He's trying to get out into the, the front of the store. The, the store clerk pulls a gun on him. And this story is also in the real life story of his life, of the Hooded Justice story. Now, what they don't tell you in the Hooded Justice story is that Hooded Justice is black. <laughs> um, and he was trying to stop a 7 Calvary attack becoming even bigger now back in the, the nostalgia trip um, William gets out of that situation where he has one of these machines now but he's so angry about everything that he drives his family away uh, he drives his his wife away. Now, he's also gay, so that was another situation she tried to ignore, but she couldn't. And when he became too angry to to let the past go, she had to go her own way. So she took their son, she left William, and William became Hoodie Justice and did that up until he retired, uh, forcefully retired, because he didn't see the value in doing that anymore. Now, as the nostalgia trip finishes, we see how William killed Judd Crawford. He used one of those machines to hypnotize Judd Crawford. And he made him kill himself. He made him hang himself. Now Angela, realizing everything that has gone on, is starting to put two and two together. While she's doing this, her body has been transported from the hospital to where Lady True is. To, um, to make sure that she comes out of this trip. Or this, this, this nostalgia lace drug story alive. So as she comes out, she's hooked up to the machine to where they're getting her hippocampus back in order. Her memories are becoming hers and hers alone. Now, one person that we haven't talked about in a while is Ozymandias. 
Where is he? So, Ozymandias is on one of Jupiter's moons called Europa. And we don't know this at the time, but he has these clones. We don't know that he's on Europa at the time, but he has these clones that basically wait on him hand and feet. They look at him as almost like a a god. But Ozymandias doesn't want to be there anymore. So where we're picking up now is the fifth episode of the series. And every time that we, we peek in Ozymandias, we realize that a year has passed. Right? So with a year passing, he's trying to now escape this hell that he's put himself into. Um, Miss Crookshanks, or Mr. Crookshanks, and um, one of his clones' names, um, and he's he's trying to escape. But the game warden of Europa won't let him escape. He won't let him do anything that he couldn't, you know, that he shouldn't be doing. This story is important to the grand scheme of the story that I'm telling, uh, but it's not as important. So what I'll do is I'll wrap this one up real quick so I can get to the bigger story at hand. Now, while this is happening on Europa, we find out how Europa came to be. We'll go back to the 1990s. Well, not the 1990s, like the late 90s, early 2000s. And Dr. Manhattan is walking into a bar. Um, and he's walking into this bar to meet a young lady um, that he wants to take out on a date. Now, this person This is kind of the story of this is kind of how everything happens. So he brings her a drink and I'm going to show a clip or play a clip for you so you can understand what it is what is what happens. Correct. 
Then how did you already know? I'm Dr. Manhattan. Obviously. You're dubious. Oh, I'm not dubious. I'm just wondering why the actual Dr. Manhattan is wearing the Dr. Manhattan mask. I don't want to be recognized. Is this a Zeus thing? A Zeus thing? The Creek God. And all the stories. He came down from Olympus trying to get laid, but he turned himself into a swan or something to blend in. I'm guessing you popped down here to Saigon from Mars. 20 years after you abandoned humanity. That's not Neil Morris. No? It's a recording of me carrying out a series of predetermined patterns, like a computer program. It's a decoy so that people think it's you on Mars. Exactly. Then where have you been for the past 20 years? On Europa. It's a moon of Jupiter. Oh, that Europa. And what were you doing there? Technically, what am I doing there? I don't get it. The way I experience time is unique, and for you, particularly infuriating. That said, I am simultaneously in this bar, having a conversation with you, and on Europa, creating life. Now, now does one create life? I do it with a wave of my hand. So Dr. Manhattan goes on to tell Angela how he's created Europa and how everything is coming out. Uh, but he's gotten tired of that. Right. Um, so we pick back up in the bar. Our process is complete in approximately 90 seconds. Typical. I'm sorry. A man creating life in under two minutes. Oh, a sex joke. That's funny. Thanks. So, what about Adam and Eve? You create them too? Adam and Eve are fiction characters. On Europa, I did it for real. So, we find out that the clones that... Ozymandias has been using were created by Dr. Manhattan. Um, now, since they were created by Dr. Manhattan, they worship him completely. Okay. <clears throat> Sorry. Ooh, got some call. Uh, so they worship him completely. Now, we figure out that this isn't what Dr. Manhattan wants. Um, he wants longevity. Uh, he wants love. He's a person that doesn't show emotion because he's so omnipotent. But any slight microfracture of the microaggression 
would show that he is perpetually sad. And he's always in turmoil because, like he explained in the clip that I just played, he always experiences everything in his life from birth to death. Now, to kind of put that into terms, it would be as if you experienced the happiest day of your life and the saddest day of your life every day until the end of time. Now, Angela doesn't believe that he's Dr. Manhattan. Rightfully so. But we find out that Dr. Manhattan had to had to figure out what was going to be his next step. So you said it before you sat down. We pick back up on the clip. But you just told me now. As for Vietnam, I was trying to be what people wanted me to be. A soldier, a superhero, a savior. I tried to do the right thing, and if it's any consolation, I do regret it. Aha. Then you must have known that you would end up regretting it before you did it. So why do it anyway? Haven't you ever done anything you knew you were going to regret? Maybe. Then will you have dinner with me tomorrow night? Well, you know everything that's going to happen. Am I having dinner with you tomorrow night? Yes. Incorrect. Tonight, you fit in with all the other drunk Manhattan wannabes stumbling around for VVN. But tomorrow, you're going to stick out like a sore blue thumb. If I walk into a restaurant with you, people are going to stare, man. Why go to a restaurant when we can teleport you anywhere? Yeah, 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 that sounds great. But eventually, we're going to have to go out in public. So how are you going to pull that off, Doc? Actually, you've come up with a rather elegant solution to the problem of my appearance. Have I? Yes. You're explaining it to me right now. Actually, for you. Two weeks from right now. So, his appearance, because if you didn't know, Dr. Manhattan is blue. Um, and any blue man would stick out in any room. But they come up with a plan to be for him to be able to camouflage. So, speeding up the story a little bit, uh, we find out that Cal, Angela's husband, is actually Dr. Manhattan. Crazy. But he's blocked himself away from his abilities by Ozymandias. Ozymandias tried to kill Dr. Manhattan in 1985, uh, but he also found a plan or created a plan to block his abilities so he wouldn't be able to use it. And this is what helps Dr. Manhattan turn into Cal Abar.
now that we know that Dr. Manhattan and Cal Abar are one of the same person, we go back to the White Knight. Now, the White Knight, Angela was attacked just like every other cop. But as she was about to get killed, the person that had a gun to her face was zapped away. And that's when they found out the 7th Calvary that Dr. Manhattan was still around. And that's how they found out and they hatched a plan. Judd Crawford, his wife, and Senator Keene to take the powers of Dr. Manhattan. So to wrap up this elaborate story of the Watchmen and Dr. Manhattan and Ozymandias and Angela and Hooded Justice and William and Lady True and Cinder Judge God, Joe Keene, the White Knight happened. Judd Crawford got close to the family of Angela. And we figured out why. Now, when Dr. Manhattan meets Angela for the first time, he says that it will be a 10-year gap he can't see that will end in tragedy. And there's nothing that they can do to stop it. So, we come back to present time. Lady True Ozymandias Lady True and Ozymandias is a uh, father and daughter. Beyond Lady True's daughter is actual in actuality a clone of her late mother who stole a sperm sample of Ozymandias and impregnated herself with it. <laughs> Shit is crazy. So Ozymandias being stuck on Europa finds a way to get off. Lady True rescues him and then freezes him until she absolutely wants to show him her next move. It's also revealed what the Seven Calvary has been doing since they find out that Dr. Manhattan was in fact not on Mars, but in Tulsa. It all leads down to one night. Now, before Dr. Manhattan proposes this 10-year gap where he can't see, he goes and starts to put things in order. He goes to William to let William know that he has a granddaughter. Um, 
and that this granddaughter needs him more than ever. The conversation went a little like this. Um, Your granddaughter needs you. Um, She says she doesn't want a family. But everything that she does leads me to find out that she does. That she needs something. So, we we get to the point to where, like I told you before, Dr. Manhattan experienced time all at the same time. So, while he's having this conversation with William, he's woken up out of his 10-year gap to where he couldn't see. And the 7th Calvary has started to attack his family, Angela. Um, they have a teleportation gun that can transport him without him, you know, fighting against it. So they transport him away to the Seven uh, Seven Calvary's base, and Senator Joe Keen starts to uh, talk about his plan. And how they want this to go down. Um, So they feel as if the white man in today's society has been burdened with reparations to black people. And they want to steal that power back by taking Dr. Dr. Manhattan's power away from him. All the while, Lady True has been thinking the same exact thing. The Seven Calvary stole all their power source from Lady True, believing that they did it without her knowing. Uh, In actuality, she let them do it because she needed a power source because she had the same exact plan to steal Dr. Manhattan's power. So, Senator Joe Keen creates this machine, the field intrinsic uh, machine that created Dr. Manhattan. And we come to see that um, the Seven Calvary was not as smart as they thought they were. Lady True flips it up on them, kills every single last one of the Seven Calvary. Um, all that's left is Dr. Manhattan, Lady True, her cloned mother, 
and Angela. Um, Silver Spectre Sally, Looking Glass, and Ozymandias, who is now there on Earth to see everything that's going on. Dr. Manhattan teleports Ozymandias, Looking Glass, and Silver Spectre Sally um, away to save the day, for lack of any other words. Um, Angela wants to know why she didn't send him, why he didn't leave himself. Uh, Dr. Manhattan adheres to a certain level of rules. Um, Things are going to happen the way that they should happen because he won't change it. Uh, What that means is explaining linear time. He is experiencing everything. At the same time. So he has already died. He's also already born. So to deviate from that plan. Is nearly impossible to him. Um, It's crazy if you actually think about it. Let's say. Right now. Like I said. You're experiencing your happiest day of your life. Versus the saddest day of your life. And you put those two together. It would be hard for you to see any other outcome. Right? Because those things have happened and are happening. It's weird, but it's dope. So, that all happened. Right? Um, And Angela is there to see her husband die. He is murdered by Lady True. Uh, But it doesn't end the way that you would normally see a superhero show, movie, comic book end. Uh, It lands on a cliffhanger. Like a to be continued. Um, It's weird. I know I've shortened it, but I really want people to go watch this show. And give me their feedback on what they believe happened. Because in my opinion, it's probably one of the greatest TV shows that I've seen that can reflect our day and lives. Um, so I appreciate you guys listening to this long podcast and me breaking down everything that happened. And kind of what caught my eye about it so much was uh, people that have listened to this podcast know that I like comic books. Uh, I think comic books are a direct reflection of how we live our lives today. Uh, You can learn a lot from them. So go check it out on HBO. Uh, It's called The Watchmen. Um, I'll put their Twitter tag in the the description below so you can also see what's going on. Uh, Inside of Julius's mind is coming back stronger. We're going to be doing more episodes. I'm going to be having more guests on. Um, I have a lot of people in mind to be next. uh, But I want to send a quick shout out to my wife. And her new podcast, Untamed and Unexplained, where you can find out uh, some crazy shit that's happened around you. Uh, So go check her out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you find your podcasts. Um, Go follow me on Instagram at Inside of Julius's Mind. Find me on Facebook, same place, Inside of Julius's Mind. And if you have any questions, 
uh, I'm opening up my mailbag to where uh, the NFL draft is coming up soon. So I'm going to be doing a podcast on that. I'm going to do a podcast after the um, Michael Jordan last dance uh, is completed. Uh, so, yeah, you guys, I appreciate all the support. I appreciate all the kind words. And uh, I'm going to get out some great content for you. I appreciate you listening. Um, we're going to leave how we came in. One of my favorite songs from the Watchmen's playlist. Peace.